ACL Nation, what's going on? It's Michelle Thompson here with Around the ACL, and I've got Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione with me coming off a packed weekend in Salt Lake City, Utah. We've got so much to cover today, so I won't waste any time. Uh, real quick, Trey, what was your impression of Salt Lake? What'd you think? Uh, Salt Lake was probably, maybe not probably, it probably is the prettiest place we've ever been. I mean, it was yeah, beautiful. For sure. I mean, that... The shot of the, I just liked, you know, being outside the convention center and then looking behind it. And there's just like this beautiful scenic of mountains. It looks it fake. Was, uh, like yeah, yeah, it, honestly, when Jeff McCarrigan, so that, that picture, I posted a picture on my Instagram that I stole from Jeff. He took it. And I literally asked him, I said, did you, did you steal this? Is this Photoshopped? Is this, he's like, no, I took it. Um, it's just a beautiful scenic and, uh, it, it was, it was a great, I think, I, I think I'd go back. I, I was really, really happy with it. Agreed. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, similar. Uh, so being in Denver, Colorado, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to kind of see that consistently, but the difference with mm -hmm. Denver and Salt Lake is you're right on it. Those mountains are like just right there. In Denver, yeah. it's usually like, you know, 20 miles away, but those things seem like they just were coming off the backyard. So, yeah, it was it was beautiful, man. It, was awesome. it really was. All right, so we had our, we're talking about our nationals. We had our bag brawl there in Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, we had uh, our singles results. Jamie Graham, Jamie Graham being the show-out player for the weekend, which you'll find out when you hear about doubles as well. But Jamie Graham taking first, uh, Tony Smith taking second, Tanner Halbert with third, and Jay Rubin also in third. Anthony, what are your thoughts on those singles results? Yeah, a lot of thoughts on singles. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on just singles. Um, but yeah, just to mention just some, I kind of felt like the overall theme is we, we we not only saw some new faces kind of coming deep or showing up deep, but some players that we expected to see performing earlier in the season finally showing uh, what they can do. So uh, maybe start with like a Jeremy Shermerhorn. He really showed out the whole weekend. Um, he made a strong run in singles fourth in his bracket uh dakota salee also with a fourth place finish it was the first time i was able to you know get an up close live look at his game beautiful bag really good run for him i was calling matches on court one when caleb franklin showed up this dude was legit i mean i was impressed he brought to the table this, this real like mature dirty style game he had a competent roll bag to go with it Took fifth in his bracket with a signature win over Trey Birchfield in the second round. So that was a big win for him. And then someone that we expected to be showing up all season, Connie Altice, finally showing why we were talking highly of her at the start of the season. She finished higher than all the women in the pro division, second only to Renner. And she really needed that. So, you know, we've got this whole... Airmail City, the road to Airmail City run. And um, for those that don't know, Elizabeth Moore is uh, Stacey Moore's sister. And she's really championing the whole airmail or road to Airmail City. And she she tells me at the first thing, walk into the uh, into the uh, party to kind of kick the weekend off. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've been talking about Connie L. Tice all year. Connie's like not even close to top eight women. You know, she's just way down there. And she goes, you got to stop talking about Connie L. Tice. <laughs> so, but I was like, but she's so good. We don't understand what, then here's a good example. So she finally had her run. That performance could be what propels her a little bit closer to that top eight. So she really needed that one. Um, super proud of Jay Rubin. I mean, in episode 22, I threw a hot take out there and I said, let's ignore that Jay Rubin took 53rd at nationals one. Let's ignore that he took 77th 
at national too, because we're talking about a top two, uh, 10 talent. I said at the next national, Jay Rubin is going to make a bracket final appearance and he could win his bracket. Well, this was the next national. And not only did he make the final, but he won it in dominating fashion. Um, five matches giving up single digit points. I like how he looks for the remainder of the season. Berkeley pair. I mean, this guy was fun to watch. He's got all the shots. You know, we talk about no hesitation airmail. I think he's got no hesitation every shot. Rolls, cuts, airmails, it doesn't matter. Um, the match between him and, and Matt Guy was like max fun. You had this huge crowd. There were these big shots. Came down to the wire. Berkeley pair knocks Matt Guy out of the tournament. Um, so he really showed up. That bracket final match, all of us, all three of us, I think, Trey, you were calling that one. Trey, or, uh, Tanner Halbert and Tony Smith. That match was bonkers. I mean, um, the board speed, I think, played perfectly into Tony's style game. Yeah. Halbert's hitting these airmail, you know, like these Crazy. big shot airmail, right? A couple of them to save save the match over these piles of laundry that Tony Smith makes. Um, but yeah, t Tony's skip and roll game to me, I mean, I don't think anybody's doing anything like that. It's not really a slide shot. It's like skipping rocks to the hole. And that really played well for him. And again, I think that the board speed was was uh, was important. But really, Misha, I think you opened up and said it at the beginning. The weekend was all about the Jamie Graham show. <laughs> I mean, this dude stood out from everyone all weekend to me. Singles and doubles. He carries Matt Guy in the doubles. He's dominating the field in singles. Ryan Rinzer was really the only one to give him some resistance uh, deep in that winner's side. And then once he got over that hump, he was in cruise control. I mean, all the way to the final. Uh, and really, Jamie was just highlighting how diverse his game was all weekend. I think he's the most talented player when accounting for every shot. Um, you you ask for a shot, he's got it. If you want a certain style of game, he could play that style of game. He can go hole for hole for you. He can play a dirty game. Uh, I don't think it's a secret anymore that the 2022 Jamie Graham is back. And I think this win validates him. Um, before the season started, we were in Myrtle Beach for the USAC and college event. And we had a pretty deep conversation and, and everything he said to me has come true. He said, not only am I back, but I will be a top player in the world again. He said, I'm playing with max confidence. He said, I'm working harder than I ever had before. And he said, this is my job. And I take this seriously. And the way you see him handling himself on and off the court, a perfect example of what you're getting there. And Mish, as, as Trevor Brooks was saying all weekend, Jamie Graham, best in the world. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I did, by the way, ask Tony Smith about that skip bag. So I, I, same thing. I've never seen it. I'm like, so you just don't slide. And he said it's the bags. So he said any other carpet bag, he would slide. But I guess right. the combats are so sticky that he cannot slide them. So that that was, I thought that was just the way he threw now, but it was just the bag. So I was very curious about that. And I asked Eric Davis the same question. And Eric Davis said he can't slide anymore. He doesn't even know how. <laughs> <laughs> so different styles of game for sure. But you called it. It was the Jamie Graham show. Uh, Trey, what thoughts do you have to add to that? Yeah, Anthony did a pretty good job. Uh, when I look at the overall singles play this weekend, uh, it was kind of the tournament of the bounce backs for me. Um you had Cheyenne Renner, who had the, not that she finished too poorly at some of the nationals, but not to the level of expectation that we had from her coming off of the singles world championship last year, the open that she won in Winter Haven, uh, sorry, in uh, Asheville. And then, of course, the 
event that she almost won in Rhode Island. So for her to bounce back and finish top 10 in singles, it really was a bounce back. You mentioned Jay Rubin, a player that in doubles had been dominant, but faced some big adversity and issues off the court at the beginning of the year that we wondered if he was going to be able to get back to the top 10 self that he was in 2021 and even in 2020. And he was able to do that. He really did bounce back. He put together an incredible run of uh, of wins and, and takes down um, you know his bracket. Damon Dennis, a bounce back yes. for him. He propels and finishes second in his bracket. That's good for fifth overall when he had a dominating first half of 2021. But since then, we had not seen Dennis play to that level yet. Tony Smith a player that was so hyped in 2021 that, yes, he finished top 10 in in doubles, but we really worried is, you know, is his game so, you know, specialized to a certain board condition that he can't compete at the highest level unless he can do that? Well, he showed he absolutely could. Um, Ryan Windsor. I cannot believe Anthony did not take some time to talk about Ryan Windsor because <laughs> – he did bounce back a little bit. He had yeah. a strong run, and he was a one point away. And more importantly, he was a slide, an open board slide shot away from beating Jamie Graham, yeah. the player on the weekend that dominated the weekend, and he threw it off the back of the board. That's a whole different issue. Is if there, if if you know, some people may think there's some issues there with as far as being being able to finish, but. The story is that he was able to put himself back in a position where when we talk about a player that dominated a weekend, he was a simple shot away from beating that player. And then, of course, Jamie Graham. Um, we knew that he was, you know, he finished fifth in Atlantic City. We knew he was on his way back. He's a top five player. But the bounce back is more towards the bounce back from 2021 to getting back into 2020 form, where he was by far and away the best player in the entire world. And now I think there's absolutely uh, a reason to say and, and a completely valid statement that he has taken that spot back. He is now number one in singles and number one in doubles in pro singles and pro doubles rankings. And you don't get there by just being good at one tournament. Even the tournaments that he hasn't won this year, he's come very close. So those are all my bounce backs. I think when I look at stats of the weekend, I have two favorite ones. Uh, one of them comes in singles and one of them comes in doubles. I'll share my double one, doubles one a little bit later when we talk doubles. But I know what that so, one's going to be. I can't yeah, wait to talk about that one. Uh, you know, my, my, my single stat is now we have had three nationals. At each national, you have a final four playoff, right? You have your singles, semi, semifinals, and finals. That's a total of 12 possible spots. In those 12 spots, we have had 12 unique players. There has been no overlap from any of the nationals thus far. Everybody has been an individual unique player. And that goes back to talk about how deep and talented we thought this pro division was this season. And so, you know, we come out of the kickoff battle and we say to ourselves, Matt Guy's not going to lose all year. And he has not been back to a playoff since. We come out of Atlantic City saying there's no way Matthew Creek Killer can not report, you know, um, repeat the performance he had. And he didn't make the playoff. 
Now we're going to say Jamie Graham, best in the world. He won't lose again this season, right? And I think if there's anything that we've been taught is that, yes, Jamie Graham is, is the best player in the world right now. But it's going to be a grind for everybody the rest of the way this season. And if history tells us anything, is that we may have four brand new faces going into the final chase in, in that pro singles playoff. So an incredible weekend in singles, some new faces, some old faces, and, and for me, some great faces bouncing back after not being in the in the spotlight for a, a decent amount of time. I, I love that 12-person thing you just threw out. That that just blows my mind. I never thought about yeah. it that way. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Did you guys know that Damon Dennis was in a car accident three weeks ago? Yeah, broke a rib or something. Severe. He was laying with the, yeah. He was, I didn't know that at all. He sat down next to me and he showed me the picture of his car. It was a really bad car accident, like tumbled down and hit a pole. Um, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm fine. I have the pain in the left rib. Um, but like the fact that he went, did so wow. well coming off of that. I mean, he said he thanks God that he's even alive. So wow. um, I mean, wow. just doesn't say a word about it. Right. He's just so quiet. And yeah, well, <laughs> you know, this is the way it is. Oh, I love Damon Dennis so much. All right, let's go ahead and bring Mike on for Morton Corner to talk more about these lovely stats. Welcome, Mike. Hey, guys. So Mike. I have to agree. First things first, Salt Lake City, the most beautiful city we've been to. Yeah. Could, could not get over the scenery there. So, yeah. Trey, if we agree on nothing else <laughs> the rest of the year, that one <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly concur with you on. So... I'll make so, sure that I book Atlantic City first, and then I'll book Salt yeah, Lake City. Yeah, great contrast. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so guys, if you remember last week um, before before Salt Lake City, we were talking uh, stats, and we were specifically talking what's a better indicator of a player's finish, DPR, PPR, or I threw a couple new ones out there, uh, combined PPR, DPR. And then just a, a miscellaneous one of PPR and then DPR times two. Um, and what I found was I was about ready to make the, the declaration that those combined stats were a better indicator of how you would finish in a tournament than PPR or DPR. Stopped just short of it, but I was pretty close. So what I did this weekend, I haven't had time to go through doubles, but I have went exhaustively through singles. And I've got some some new metrics to um, to round that information out. So first things first, if you take those four categories and you're only looking at the top four finishers. OK, so the top four. I'm going to I'm going to ask. I'll, I'll start Trey with you. I'll start with you. You have any thoughts as to which one of those would be the best indicator? The if best we're only looking indicator. at the top. Only looking at the top. Top four singles? Um, top four, yes. Singles, and this is just from the bag brawl. So four events, four brackets. Something tells me Tony Smith screws all screws it all up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you, know, you got uh, Jamie Graham, Tony Smith, Jay Rubin, and Tanner Halbert. So yeah, that makes sense. Tony's Yeah, you got three, three players, you know. I would say Tanner yeah, well, and yeah, Tanner to, and Jay. To be clear, when I say top four, I mean top four in each bracket. I'm, I'm okay. specifically Ooh, okay. yes, I'm specifically looking at bracket finishes. 
Okay. Right. All right. No, that makes sense then. Oh, okay. Then I'm not going to, I'm not going to limit it to just an individual player. Then I'd probably say, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'll agree with, with DPR probably is our best indicator at the moment. I don't have reason to say otherwise. Okay. Anthony, you, you have any, any thoughts differently? Yeah, I kind of feel like it's DPR uh, just only haven't hadn't looked at a snapshot of the PPR finishes earlier. Um, that didn't necessarily reflect your top 12. I mean, Jamie Graham won, and I think he was at the top. But once you get past that, the list kind of started to disappear. So I'm going to go with DPR. Okay. Misha, I don't want to leave you out. You you have uh, any thoughts one way or the other on any of those? No, I think you had a convincing argument last week. I'm going with DPR. Okay. So of the four things that I mentioned, PPR, DPR combined, just simply adding those two up, and then also the slightly more complicated adding PPR and then DPR twice, two times DPR. Out of those four scenarios, the number one indicator of the top four was the combined, the PPR plus DPR. So it, it missed by an average placement of 2.88. Hmm, okay. So, so the dark green is the well. The, what's on the slide is actually for overall for the whole bracket. Okay. okay. So for the whole bracket, combined DPR and the PPR, and then DPR times two, they tied for being the most accurate. But if you're only looking at the top four, the most accurate was the just simply the PPR plus DPR. And PPR being the least or DPR being the least? I forgot what yellow and orange was. Um, the the best indicator is the green. The second best indicator is the uh, light green. Third best yellow. The worst indicator is orange. Can you remind wow. me again? Can you remind me again if these are absolute values? Um, these are absolutes. So if you missed by plus three or minus three, it was a three. You're off by three. Okay. So my homework for you, Mike, is... I want these numbers. I've already, done it. I've already done it absolute. However, here's the catch, Trey. If you're doing um, if you're doing non-absolute values, they pretty much come up to a zero at overall because everywhere you've got a plus seven, you've got a minus seven. Everywhere where you got a plus five, you've got a minus five. Not exactly like that, but in theory, they they pretty much all come out to zero. What starts to throw that off are ties, where you have ties here and there. But according mm. to what you just put up, DPR was the least reliable, correct? Just just slightly. Um, just underneath uh, PPR. But that 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 combined, whether you want to go with the, the more complicated combined and DPR times two, or simply just combined, they actually end up being much more indicative of where a player will finish. So when to keep it the, simple, I would recommend looking at just the combined. You just simply and, add the PPR and DPR. And when you did the top four only, was DPR in last there as well? Yes, ma'am. DPR was in last place when you only did the top four. Wow. All right, Mike, what if we did this? I'm trying to think through. You, the way you did it is based on rank, right? Correct. So I'm trying to think of a way that I get away from using the rank um, because I – the, the, here's the thing that I'm worried about, right, is on average, if my PPR takes two people, right, and I I say that this person was 
the, the DPR, I'm trying to think directionally, right? I want to give credit for directionally being on average more accurate or less accurate. Um, you got to think about through that in a little bit more. You got yeah. me thinking now. You got my wheels either, turning a little bit. Way, I got Chase wheels turning. Woo. Yeah, the way we were all wrong. I think that was uh, the yeah. uh, now, summary there. Incidentally, um, when you look at the top 10, all right, so the top 10 finishers in the, in a bracket, um, the order is combined DPR or combined PPR and DPR. The second most accurate was PPR and DPR times two. The third most accurate was PPR and the fourth most accurate was DPR. Hmm. And, and the numbers are, are, you know, one tournament, four brackets is not enough to make any declarations. However, these numbers back up the, the numbers that I had, had prepared for last week, which were nationals number one and national number two. So I'm prepared to say that I definitely see enough information as a trend here. Uh, the combined PPR-DPR is most definitively better than PPR or DPR by themselves. I thought DPR won last week, no? Uh, no, it was, it was combined. It was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was DPR too, yeah. Yeah, the, the combined PPR and DPR is just a nice meshing of everyone who either did well with PPR or DPR. Um, if you did great with PPR but didn't do well in DPR, that's going to harm your standings, but it also harms your combined number, if that makes any sense. The combined just takes both fields into account and gives you a nice general generalization. So, all right. Actually, I, I have I have the best way to do this now. Now that I thought about it. All right. All right I got I got I got. Yeah, I got uh, I got homework for you and or Anthony. Right. All right. What we need to do is you need to take someone's rank and or DPR. You need to figure out what your independent variable is, and you need to plot it. Right. It needs to be plotted on an X Y axis and see if there's some type of trend line associated with it. Based on the trend line, you can fit a line. And then once you fit that line, you can go from there to try to see if it's a good predictor or not. And you can run your R squared values. You can all do this. Type of Michelle is so bored right now. Yeah. She is so this bored. This podcast has took a sharp it's, turn. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's this left. work. It's this work that will get people across the country sitting in their local blind draws starting to talk about, you know, stats. Because because two years ago, three years ago, nobody knew what PPR was. They, they had no clue. Um, and now everywhere you go, people are talking about their PPRs. And then it soon became DPRs. So we're just well, honing, my, we're just honing. My, we don't, we don't, we don't disagree with that. I just don't think people care about how you get to it. Like, just like <laughs> you know what I mean? Fit a trend line, Mike, you get back to us. Fit a trend we line, you get it. back to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we for the moment, the stats. we don't want to know how you got to the stats. For no, the moment. Kidding. All right. The takeaway <laughs> we'll, we'll is combined. The takeaway is combined for the moment. PPR plus DPR seems to be the most accurate indicator. For so now. that's your takeaway. Until now. we get the trend line. All right. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> Until we get the trend line. Thanks, Mike. All right. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate Thanks, your Mike. time. Bye. Let's move on to our doubles recap. Uh, we're going to sound like a broken record here. We got Jamie Graham once again uh, with Matt Guy. Second, we got Matthew Creek Killer and Jacob Foreman. Third, Jimmy Humans and Tyler Cobb. And then uh, last or third as well, Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin. 
um, all impressive show outs by everyone. Anthony, you want to start us off again with your thoughts on doubles? Yeah, sure. Doubles. Um, Tubby Tice Cobb. They make a good run. Let's go. Let's go. Those guys, they take fifth in their bracket. Another one. And the next two, I mean, we talked about kind of new teams or new players showing up deep. That was kind of the theme for me. Ian Cripps and Matthew Morton. They grind all the way to a fifth place finish in their bracket with wins over Gilbert Thielen and a monster win over Halbert Zockline. I would have lost that bet. So that's a big win for them. Um, Yaklin and Steels or Stills, sorry, they grind all the way to the king seat match and they had to go through Washington and Stranger, Windsor Herrera. They got a win there. Um, super fun guys to watch. Berkeley Pear and Mason Morgado. You know, this <laughs> new kind of mid-season partnership. Um, and when I saw that new partnership, it was like, okay, these guys should perform really well. Well, they performed outside of my expectations. They took fourth in their bracket. They beat the National One champs, Malone and Johnson, and then a big win over Gross and Sims. They both look, look good. I think Berkeley was the exception in the partnership just because he dominated so much in singles as well. Um, Ricky G and Dur Dylan Turpin getting it done again with another solid run. But man, that Noah Wooten and Tony Smith, uh, their run through the bracket, they get to the championship match against Renner and Baldwin. Trey, I think this is what where you were going to bring a stat in. I think it'd be a good opportunity to bring that in if you want to talk about that one a little bit. But that was unreal. Yeah, my favorite stat in doubles on the weekend. Tony Smith in game two of the uh, bracket final alongside Noah Wooten taking on Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin throws 36 bags in the game, makes 33 of them, and does not score. That's insane. That is insane. Not even like that. That's that makes me want to quit cornhole. Like, what the heck? Doesn't score a point. And so if uh, we if we look at that as a match, that means Cheyenne Renner scored a couple points. So it means all the points were on the other side. Yep. I'm, all I'm back and right. back and forth. Yeah, back and forth on that side too. I mean, but yeah, but I mean, Renner um, made thirty five of thirty six uh, bags in the game for an eleven point seven eight PPR on the game. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. So yeah. So then, so then that allowed, that was the path for Renner and Baldwin to get through the bracket. Um, you know, they, they win all the way to the ESPN, but it, oh, anyways, they killed it. I want to move on to Singleton and Shermerhorn. I, for me, I love this storyline. Um, they kind of refuse to be denied, right? They take second in their bracket. And that storyline is, Hey, we hit this low in our season. Um, in the open tournaments, and they just keep showing up with elite level performances at the nationals. So that's kind of a cool story. Humans and Cobb, we're going to call him Cobb 2.0. We don't want the 1.0 version. We got this Cobb 2.0 <laughs> version. Um, they they almost made me eat my words, Trey. You remember last week I said I want no part of those 35 to one odds. I was like, you got to give yeah. me 60 to one. Uh, and damn, did they come close? They were right here. And then on the flip side, Trey, you said Jimmy Humans. And Ty Cobb, are you actually a good doubles team? You yeah. said, if you are, prove it. Beat Jay Rubin <laughs> and Jordan Power. Well, they did just that. They came out and beat them. So what do you think? What do you think? Did they prove it? They, they proved it. They proved it. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was happy with it. I was I was very happy with it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, just to kind of talk through the uh, the ESPN loss. So you got, you got humans and Cobb against Guy Graham. It came down to one shot type. Their push game, gone. Gone. 
gone. Check this out. This is a, this is an unreal stat. They missed out on 22 potential points from missed pushes. Humans, four rounds in just four rounds, he missed out on 16 potential points from just offline pushes. And this is crazy because we're talking about a guy, in my opinion, that's like top three in the league in a push game. I mean, in one round, he missed three consecutive pushes, left seven points on the board in one round. Cobb contributed that too. He left six points on the on, on the board. And I think if you look at the other side, Graham and Guy, it was the airmail that was the key contrib contributor to their win. And interesting enough, in the first round of each side, they gave up eight points to two missed airmails. Yep. But then it became the key to the success moving forward. And why is that? Well, not only did Guy, he shot eight airmail, seven of those eight found the hole. But I think why that's significant is by shooting over that level one block and and, and uh, humans was putting down a really nice level one block. He leaves that. Pushes. Yeah. Yes. He leaves that board wide mm -hmm. open, right? No help, no assists with a bumper left or right. So humans has to be dead nuts down the middle and he just couldn't find it. Um, yeah. So Mish back to back national championships. If these dudes could find a way to stay together beyond this season. I mean, we're talking about something legendary, you know, going down to the history books as the best doubles team ever. But will it happen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it will, but we can ask Jamie. We can ask Jamie when uh, when they come on. He's probably going to be uh, political about it, which he should be at this point in the season. But, um, but yeah, no, doubles, doubles, uh, yeah, it – Graham and Guy show for sure. Um, I thought I thought Guy was pretty human all day. Yes. Um, I mean, he was good. Don't get me wrong, solid. But when I talk about someone, when you compare his PPR coming into the tournament to what he scored, it was a negative 0.76 differential. If I told you any other person wow. in the pro division would come into a national event and throw minus 0.76 on their normal PPR in comparison. Yes. You're not going to win the tournament. <laughs> I mean, we're huge. talking about maybe finishing fifth or seventh or ninth at that point. So I think that's even more of a testament to how good Jamie was on the weekend, especially in doubles. Um, so, yeah, Creek Killer and Foreman uh, splash onto the scene. Creek Killer is now becoming at least in the conversation for an MVP. We were waiting on that that doubles, you know, round. But right now, my ballot, if I'm thinking about MVP, Mac Guy, Jamie Graham, Alex Rawls, Mark Richards, and maybe Matthew Creek Killer. Now, I mean, that's pretty much. If I had to put a a ballot together of five people, those are the first ones that jump off the page to me as ones that have been consistent across the season. Um, but yeah, doubles. Uh, it was. It, it, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch the doubles head-to-head -head that went on a weekend. You mentioned Jeremy Shermerhorn and Derek Singleton. They are the Justin Lang of doubles, <laughs> yes. right? Because nobody talks about them, and they just sneak in there. You know, yeah. they've done it so many times now. They just sneak into a top 20 finish. In this case, they sneak into a top five finish, right? Wow. I think people were saying backwards hat Jeremy Shermerhorn is the new cool kid. Okay. So I like that. I, I like that. Uh, I like that concept. So – um, but in the end, you know, I thought, um, th there was a lot of, there was a lot of cool, um, teams back and forth Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls come so close to, a, to doing it again. Yeah. I said, you know, I said coming into this, that the odds just weren't in their favor to win a bracket just because it was impossible to win three in a row. But 
they came as close as they possibly could. Um, Tanner Halbert and Eric Zocline were a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I didn't yeah. see that coming as far as um, – and same thing with Derek and Josh Holland. Didn't see that coming as them uh, – as far as not making the broadcast is concerned. But, yeah, I love Tyler Cobb 2.0. I hope Tyler Cobb 2.0 stays uh, because he was – he was fiery and he was energetic. And I almost felt as if it was the energy and the big shots that propelled him through that bracket final against Shermerhorn and Singleton. And then when they got on the broadcast, I think it was because he was trying to focus, which I respect and love. But I almost think if energy and enthusiasm, momentum, and big shots have gotten you through the day – why not keep doing it? Why not try to continue that energy? So I think now that Tyler Cobb is back there with Jimmy Humans, the question is not is not is it is he able to get there now, right? The question is can he win it? And the talent was absolutely there if we repeat what we saw this weekend. The key for me is you got to be able to ride those big shots and momentum because like Anthony said, it was the push shot, it was the big shot, it was the energy in my opinion that kept them from really challenging Graham and Guy at the end there. Facts. Totally makes sense. Speaking of, let's bring our guest on now, which is the one and only Jamie Graham, the star of the weekend. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Thank you all. What's up, everybody? Jamie, what's up, man? How's it going? All well, right, Jamie. Jamie. You yeah. are the episode. <laughs> so we can't <laughs> wait to dive into it. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, uh, first, quick off the thought. I mean, off the top, Jamie, what's it, what's it like being back on top? I mean, you think about, you know, winning that world championship in 2021. You know what that? I mean, sorry, 2020. You know what that felt like? I mean, obviously, this isn't a world championship win, but it's gotta have a similar feeling, does it not, to be back where you are? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I even think in 2021 that my game wasn't gone. I just think that I didn't have a confident bag in my hand. And when you're not confident in the bag and when it feels, everything goes out the window. You just got to really, really try to uh, believe you can win. And uh, But uh, this year I got the bags that I'm uh, confident with. So uh, everything worked this path. And uh, man, it feels awesome to win this nas past national though. No doubt. Hey, Jambi, if I could just jump in and I kind of I kind of foreshadowed what I wanted to hit you with uh, in the previous segment. So back to back championships, you and Guy, the Cornhole Mania and Bag Brawl champs, strong favorites, in my opinion. Why wouldn't you sweep the last two? I mean, we're talking about the best corn players in the game. You could essentially go on some historic run, you know, for years that could be legendary. But. You and Matt Guy's contract is up at the end of the season. I mean, what are your thoughts on potential for a long-term future with you and Guy? And is that something that's possible that could bring you together and become legends? Um, in the beginning of the season, uh, it was a no, guaranteed no. He was going to play with Brett. But um, I kind of chopped it up with him after we won in the car. And I was like, so what do you think, Matt? And he was like uh, – he was like, man, you know, it's my son, but uh, he said if we win the world championship, he'll think about it. But 
Like, how much pressure is that? It's not even a guarantee either. I know that is a, that it. is amazing. I love that. That is awesome. Hey, but you got to thinking about it. That's progress. That's progress. Uh, man, yeah. man, it's there's so many different reasons why I think we should stay together for the ACL. Um, for one, we're already called a super team, and it's because he's the goat, and I'm one of the best players to play the game. And together, I think we could literally reach as far as possible in wins and tournament wins and world championship wins. And I just, uh, I got to pitch that to him and I'm sure Jason McCannon will too. But uh, together, man, I think we would be a dynasty for the ACL. Like when in 10 years, when people say the ACL, they also think about Jamie and Matt. And I think we'll be on top, man. I, I just, it's so hard to see if we go to a tournament we're on, it's just hard to see that we get beat twice in one day. Matt was off this weekend and we still won yep. like that. Mm -hmm. And this is another thought for Matt is when he's off like that, can Brett carry him to a championship or can I? And that's really right. what to think about because against Mark Richards and Philip Lopez, I hit some back of the hole clutch shots to yes. just tie the game. And I'm not saying Brett can't do that. I know he can hit the shots, but it's just a different energy when you're in that game and you got to be prepared to hit the shot. Yeah, Speaking so one, of that game, yeah, sorry, I mean, go ahead. Uh, well, one thing, well, you want to ask a game specific question. So you go, I'll go after you. Go oh, I was just because you brought it up in that game. You know, it's, it's, it's clear to me that it's business on the board and you guys don't always agree. You know, I can see Matt taking an airmail and you're just like shaking your head. And he's like, don't shake my, don't shake your head. You know, I'm going to shoot that. And then on the other side, you've got Matt calling for the airmail and then you throw a roll bag and he's like, he's like, I wanted the airmail. So is that kind of your thing? You guys don't always agree what's going on, but at the end of the day, it's about winning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to judge Matt's game. He has a slide push and airmail. That's it. I have different shots. So in my eyes, I can see three shots while he sees either airmail, push, or just board it. So in my head, I'm thinking about I could roll it, I could cut it, I could airmail it, or I could push it. So when he thinks of a certain shot, like I said, in my head, I might be thinking about roll. And just like last year when he wanted me to push through uh, when we're playing Eric and Brett, I was like, if I roll over, Eric's not going to have the straight up push shot to go in the hole and tie the round. So, I mean, at the end of the day, he knows I can hit shots and I know he can hit shots. So we just believe in each other and uh, we just do it. Love it. So you mentioned in that post-game interview, and, and this is me kind of stirring the pot a little bit because I don't get to do it often and I'm usually not a pot stirrer. But here's something to think about, Jamie. You know, you said in the interview, you know, you said we're, we're, we're a super team, right? We're the greatest of all time and me, one of the best players in the world. I don't know if you know this, but when you look at the record within the ACL, Matt Guy now has 17 titles across Opens, Nationals, and World Championships. Do you know how many you have? I think now I have 14. You have 14. So when we talk about the differential there, okay, there's there's only a three-title difference there, okay? And so 
there's you are within range of eventually catching and ultimately maybe passing because one of the things that you have an advantage over him is is age, right? I mean, right. Matt Guy is is a seasoned veteran, right? You're still just you know 24, 25, how old you are. I mean, do, does that ever? Do you ever think about that aspect of it of chasing Matt in titles? Um, we I talked to him about it this weekend, and I was like, uh. So I guess I'm ahead of you right now for MVP this year. And uh, <laughs> he was like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see who ends it. Um, but, uh, I mean, of course, if you want to get mathematical about it, I'm probably going to pass him. I should pass him because uh, I have plenty of time to play the game. Yeah. But you never know when your last day is anyways. But um, if we last 30 more years and he lasts 30 more years, I can definitely see myself passing him easily. Um, but I'm always going to go down and tell anybody that Matt's the greatest of all time, no matter what he's still, he's the only goat in the game to me. That's good. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Interesting take. I like it. Jamie, one more, one more thing for you. We we had this, uh, conversation in Myrtle beach and it, it stuck with me. You know, you, you talked with like this insane confidence. You predicted where you're at right now at the top of the list. And you said, this is my job. And you said, I'm not messing around. So. What does it? What does being a professional cornhole player mean for you in the context of this is my job? What does that mean? Um, it's kind of like putting in the work. So most people every day wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. They go to work at eight. They work till five thirty in the afternoon. So they're putting in forty hours a week doing their normal job. Well, Jason McKinnon tells me all the time. He's like, "You want to be the best player in the world." You want to treat this like it's your job. And that's what I tell everybody. Professional corner is my job. So when I say that, I mean, I need to be putting in the grind, just like somebody goes to work behind a desk every single day, Monday through Friday, working their job, getting paid to do that job. I'm getting paid to throw bags in the hole, win championships. So for that, I mean, I need to start putting in the grind of, I don't know about eight hours a day. That's, I feel like you'll get tired of cornhole if you practice legit eight hours a day, but I can definitely see a maybe three sessions a day, each one an hour and a half, two hours each session. So you can not be so bored for six hours straight or something like that. So me and Kaylee are definitely working on um, the gym in the morning, a session for about an hour and a half, go eat lunch next session for an hour and a half and kind of treat this as our lifestyle. Um, because I know uh, y'all say that a player cannot win everything, but my honest opinion, I think if that player puts in the work, they can almost win everything. I mean, we honestly thought Matt, the way he was playing singles, he would never lose the whole year. Mm-hmm. But he's not – he's human because he does throw low 10 PPRs. I understand he's usually throwing high 10s, 11s, but I honestly do believe if you put enough work in – and believe you can almost win everything in the league. I love. I mean, it, it really would depend on what the rest of the field is uh, doing there too, right? Like I would th- say the average person isn't maybe putting in those kinds of hours. So if you are, then it seems natural that you'd pull ahead quite a bit. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Love that mindset. Love that mindset. That's the way to go. I'm sure the ACL appreciates that mindset very much. <laughs> so, All right, last last thing, last thing before he leaves, I got to give Jamie one okay. thing. Jamie Graham. There you go. 
<laughs> For those that don't remember, I said Josh Holland. Yep, when, yep, uh, yep. When we were talking brackets, so Jamie, you get you get a little uh, you get a little reward there. I counted it. I, I mean, I, I knew I knew how many times you did it, and I was like, just wait. <laughs> so next time when I say Jamie Graham, you gotta you're gonna win the tournament. Then it's not gonna put oh, too yeah. much pressure on I'm, you. I'm known for the jinxes. I took I Jimmy Humans. He went one and two. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, uh, when you did that, though, I was like, I play Josh almost at every conference, and he's not once in like the last two to three years beat me at a conference. Except doubles. He beats me in doubles, but it's not fully me. That's a doubles it's a team event. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Fair point. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jamie, we'd love to talk to you all day, but we do have to let you go uh, so we can talk about some of the other uh, aspects of this weekend. So thanks so much for your time and joining us today. Thanks, brother. Thank you for having appreciate me. You. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a and good congrats day. to all your success this weekend. All right, let's talk about the women's doubles, seniors, singles, and teams, and blind draw. So we're just going to kind of spend a little bit of time on each of those, but I'll start with you, Anthony. What do you want to talk about in um, all of those? And I will give the standings there. So you want to start with women? Sure, yeah, just just a couple points. Um, uh, Connie Altice, I kind of already mentioned her. She shot really well uh, in women's doubles. Strong run by the Colorado team, Yeti Irwan and Whitney Martinez. They made it to the bracket championship and they went through the Canadian Open champ, Lori Duell, and the world's runner up, Connie Altice. So definitely want to call them out. Um, Cheyenne, and, uh, or Cheyenne and Sarah just rolled to their bracket. They allowed, on average, only five points. Their opponents were only able to average five points. Insane. What's crazy wow. is they roll like that and had a chance to three peat. So this would have been one, two, three in a row. Couldn't get it done. Really, in the finals, it was just. So Cassidy, when she's off, her bag will move right to left. So she gets this really extreme, unwanted throwing hand side tilt. And I was talking to her right after the match, and she's like, it's all about my knee. If I lock my knee, I'm able to get underneath my release, and it's straighter the hole, and she just couldn't figure it out. That was ultimately the difference. And then, of course, Moppin and Hunter just, just threw really, really good. Um, one comment in seniors. Damon Dennis gets the three-peat, so they had the chance to get the three-peat in women's doubles. So did Damon and seniors. He gets it, and he didn't make it easy on himself. I was I was fortunate enough to call those matches. In the king seat match, he goes down 11-0 to Tom Walter, comes back, wins it, and then he's in the finals to take the three-peat, goes down 9-0 to Bob Vonch, but then comes back and wins it. Congrats to Damon Dennis, got his three-peat. What do you think, Yay. Trey? Yeah, yeah. Free Pete. David Dennis wins seniors again. So great job. And, and if you didn't catch it, Kaylee and Megan were the women's singles, uh, or women's doubles winners. Uh, and they did fantastic on the broadcast. I felt like they were unstoppable. Uh, what else do you want to add to that, Trey? You want to talk about uh, blind draw or uh, teams? Yeah, I'll take those two. Uh, blind draw, Cheyenne Renner showing how dominant she could be. And it was timely. I loved what I saw between her and Caleb Franklin. Caleb Franklin, we already talked about, had a great weekend. And he was, he was just good when he needed to be, right? Um, there were times when he let Cheyenne carry him. That's fine. But there were times when he needed to step up. He needed to hit a big shot for big points, and he did just that. Um, so I, I was really impressed with what I saw there. They, they had a really strong run. Uh, Tanner Halbert and Carson Getty had a nice run. Michael Lucas Jr. Um, also flashing some, some great performance alongside Trey Birchfield. So uh, good win there. And then – 
All right, Michelle, you get your you get your bragging rights here. The Woodchucks now eleven and one in teams. Eleven and one. They are unreal right now. The team chemistry just through the roof. The freeze and the sharpshooter is kind of hot on their tails, but I really don't even know what the key is. But they just find themselves absolutely in sync on all levels. The sliders, on the other hand, can't get it together. But ultimately, I was just really impressed by the Woodchucks. And Cheyenne Renner came into that that draft. And I think this is what captains need to learn, is that she came into this draft with no knowledge of, of fantasy football, no knowledge of how these drafts work. But she relied on her team. And she immediately yeah, she took did. a team. She immediately took some players out of the gate that could build something that was special. And she didn't try to do it on her own. On all on her own. And I think ultimately that's why she's sitting there with one of the most elite rosters uh, in the, in the, in the team's division and why she's, she's number one in the standings. I agree. I asked her that same question. She said, I just sort of asked the people that I had recruited, like, who should I pick? And then she went with, like, she trusted her teammates. And I think that says a lot about her and the chemistry they have because they all kind of chose each other in a way. Um, So I saw a lot of that. All right, moving on to our holy hot takes. Trey, you got your hot take ready? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I just I might as well just go and try to make it a four-peat. Let's get super hot and say the 2021 final chase has four brand new faces in our singles playoff. Maybe we get a Ryan Windsor. Maybe like we get a Devin Harbaugh. Um, you know, there, there's a variety. Maybe we get a Cheyenne Renner in there. So yeah. I'm just really interested to see – uh, some four new faces. What the hell, right? What no doubt. Hell? I love that one. I love that one. What's yours, Anthony? So, Mish, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Jamie Graham theme. This one's pretty hot because it kind of goes against what Trey just said. But this is how good he threw in Salt Lake City that this hot take is coming from. I mean, I think we get a repeat of Salt Lake at the next national. Jamie Graham on TV in both singles and doubles. Nice. Mine, I'm going Damon Dennis. I think Damon Dennis is going to sweep seniors. I think he's going to take it all. Going to keep rolling. All the way? Yes. All the way. I love that. I love that. I got you. All right. That's all we got time for uh, today. But we will see you all next week for another episode of Around the ACL. See you next time.